and welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, media and public relations. Hello, Sarah. Good morning, Stephen. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Yeah, no, we came out strong, didn't we, when the uh, crisis first hit and we did our survey and uh, life's kind of got in the way. <laughs> Life has got in the way, it certainly has. Anyway, we're here, we're back and we're strong and well. What are we going to talk about today? We've got um, some really important subject matter today. Don't slurp your coffee. <laughs> we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter and uh, racial inequality. We're going to talk about brand activism of course, we can't get through this, bearing in mind we're still pretty much in lockdown by not talking about coronavirus. We've got news that we'd like to share. And let's have a look at what up and coming events we've got in the industry. We've got some news that we'd like to share. <laughs> was that very Geordie? <laughs> <laughs> that was very Geordie. I'm intrigued. Right, Black Lives Matter. Where are we going to go with this? Okay, so this is, a this is really, topic. it is a big topic. It's an important one. And I think it's really important that we, we address this. So I want to start by talking about the tragic death of George Floyd in America, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the, the resulting debate that we're seeing within the PR community. And um, I want to start first off by drawing attention to a really great and important piece of writing by Katrina Marshall for Future Proof. And she wrote this in the light of Floyd's unlawful killing and talks about cultural grief and how and why organisations should check in with a black and ethnic minority talent right now. And I think that's a really good place to start because we'll share the piece in the show notes, but the essay explains why members of our teams might not be performing as well as normal right now and why their voices should be heard. And it's just really good uh, in terms of uh, contextualising things. And I read this piece by Katrina, and I'm very grateful for her writing it and her bravery. And suddenly it was like a jigsaw piece had fallen into place, and I started to understand from a black perspective a lot, a lot better. So please do read that. But from there, I want to go on to a series of tweets by BME PR pro founder Elizabeth Bananuka. Elizabeth's a friend of mine, and she called out a series of organisations and brands for a lack of diversity and racism. It made really uncomfortable reading and kick-started a vital conversation in the PR industry, which was well overdue. And I have to say, many have said to me and others that they didn't agree with Elizabeth's approach. But I kind of believe that sometimes we really need to experience this discomfort and embrace it in order to achieve change. And I kind of feel that very personally, having been scapegoated in the media and being the front page of tabloids about my views on fairy tales, which weren't necessarily communicated or reported in the way that I'd said them. But um, I think it's really important that we do that because actually sometimes it takes a moment of time for things to actually change for the better. And I really believe that the white community needs to educate itself better on why Black Lives Matter exists and start leading the change. I think this is really important because I've suddenly finally properly so understood. It's a white problem, not a black problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a societal problem, but we've got to stop looking to the black community to solve to it. To solve it, yeah. Because it's our it's structures, it's our processes, it's our behaviours which are preventing equality. Um, and I just wanted to share a few pointers that I've taken from Elizabeth and her fantastic work today about what we can do as we strive to make things better. And I, and I put one of these in one of my blogs, but her practical steps for individuals were just think about if you're offered a speaking role, perhaps giving up a seat and making space um, for a talented person from the black and um, ethnic minority community. Is there somebody else who could do that role who wouldn't normally have the platform? Think about it. And she says, 
you know, use our privilege to change something, whether that's big or small. And it could be about perhaps doing something within your organisation, even just doing diversity lunch and learns or promoting a non-alcohol based social event at your company. I thought that was a great idea. Everybody knows I like a drink. I'm very sociable like that, you know, but actually it doesn't suit, doesn't suit everybody. Um, seek best practice, learn something, call things out when they're not right uh, and celebrate a, a BME win. You know, if you see a, a BME practitioner doing great work, uh, Elizabeth suggests that you call it out and shout about it because actually, like I say, these people don't always get the platforms others do. And just to look at it from um, an agency perspective, if you're wondering again what you could do, it's not just about having a diversity and inclusivity policy in place, and I hope you do, and how you approach um, recruitment, but have a look, a long, hard look at the ethnic make- uh, makeup of your business. Do you offer diversity training? What's your approach to racial discrimination and microaggressions? I've suddenly realised how much work I've got to do here. And I hope that other people will kind of follow suit and start to look at and identify areas where they can make improvements too. Well, a moment in time for sure. I actually, I've had a number of conversations with different people, mainly white, it has to be said, about Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's approach on Twitter. Initially, uh, when I saw it, it was really, really painful. But I firmly believe you have to have moments like this where you burn up to start over. And I think it's caused everybody to think think long and hard. A lot of individuals remain silent because they're looking at their own conscience and they're looking at their own learning uh, and development. And I'm honestly one of those people. Yeah. I think also there needs to be a move away from just sharing things because it's to do with Black Lives Matters, but to actually instigating change. So not trying to show solidarity by sharing stuff but actually doing stuff well, let's, come let's, let's talk about that there was a blackout blackout on instagram wasn't there and twitter and facebook where people changed their profile pics blackout post, tuesday posted black tiles you know that's a bit facile isn't it well yeah brand activism is difficult isn't it i think there are important days like this which are deliberately designed to highlight causes my perspective on this is that if you're going to get involved it needs to be pre-planned well thought of and you need to have got heritage in this area no don't just do it because you want to show solidarity when actually you know back at the ranch you're predominantly whale predominantly um white potentially male whale Whale, white and male (laughs) but white male pale and stone yeah um talent force do you know what I mean for me and we've seen a number of different brands come out recently I I called out Yorkshire Tea because a lot of people are saying isn't it great the Yorkshire Tea have have, uh, challenged a member of the public on one of her tweets which uh, was racist for me that felt like opportunism I I would rather know and hear a statement about them about what they're doing you know this is a this is an industry that was built on enslavement it was very uncomfortable to me to see them single out an individual and take the brand power that they had against one single person yeah. it didn't feel like they prepared there's a whole that. piece of work to be done there around the the inequality and not even inequality the power balance between a brand that has tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of followers calling out an individual who has you know maybe a hundred maybe a thousand you know it's completely wrong i mean that's the thesis of john ronson's book shamed isn't it and um, we should come back to that that's on another topic adidas similarly adidas according to a report in the ft retweeted its arch rival nike's tweet about black life matters because and it took that step about 10 days ago because it hadn't got a, a corporate position itself 
or a point of view and apparently was coming under so much pressure internally from employees and um, external stakeholders, investors uh, to take a position, a, you know, something that is subsequently explained through a series of but tweets. And see, someone said to me, you've got to appreciate that brands might participate in these things because they're under pressure, like you've just said, to do so. For me, I'd much rather they put out a statement which says... We we have we have researched our position on this. We we have start we have identified that actually we there is a significant improvement to be made. That's what we're going to concentrate on doing. Or something along those lines. Where it says, you know what, this has helped us identify the fact that we've got a problem and we're working on it. That is so much more meaningful. Yeah, and that's the personal approach that I'm taking. To be honest, go back to history and read. Yeah. Um. So. That's quite a heavy-duty start, but I think it's a really important one, and I do think we've all got a role to play here, and um, fingers crossed we do start to see things move forward now. Um, point, point, just Sorry, just to finish, point us out to those, uh, the links you you mentioned. Uh, Elizabeth Bannon-Nicker on Twitter and Katrina on the Future Proof Yeah, we'll share, we'll share these. Well, I'll share details of the Future Proof piece, but also Elizabeth's BME PR Pros page, because that's a good place to start. Great. Um, let's talk about <laughs> coronavirus, everybody's favourite topic. I'm so tired of coronavirus. Um, what should practitioners be thinking about now, Stephen? Oh, blimey. So many different things. I think we're seeing within organisations an alignment with beyond profit. This word purpose is coming up all the time. Organisations need a clear purpose. Are you align to, to an environmental society and governance uh, point of view we're hearing about the triple bottom line you know it's a massive massive opportunity for public relations to to assert itself uh, at board level to help boards understand their various relationships across society beyond profit because any organization coming into covid that was focused purely on financial metrics has been caught out so let's take a step back there so um what we know is that there's been a great piece of work as ever by Edelman's Trust Barometer. They did the Trust and Coronavirus Special Report, which mm. pulled 12,000 people across the world. And that said that consumers are already changing their purchasing behaviour and habits based on how brands are responding to this crisis, right? So they're saying that actually people who are not playing their part in society and, and helping rebuild, push towards a green recovery, that those are the brands that are going to suffer, right? So what, which is why purpose and societal impact is so important. Absolutely agree. Uh, related to that, I had a com- conversation yesterday with Spencer Stewart, the executive recruitment firm. Um, it was just done a brilliant, brilliant job, actually, of, of looking at the impact throughout the crisis on skills and talent, um, particularly within the higher levels of the civil service, government and, and public organisations, public companies. And they're saying loud and clear that professional communicators, public affairs and public relations, employee engagement teams are are now being invited right to the heart of the board. Often, if they weren't reporting to the CEO before the crisis, they are now and they're part of the exec comm team. I mean, we've always said that PR is integral to successful organisations. And right now is a great um, opportunity to be questioning management teams on authentic and accountable leadership about brand purpose and live values and this this whole really important piece of social capital. I think the other thing that where PR practitioners are really useful right now are on um, risk assessments, right? So um, I think 
<laughs> the majority of organisations were caught on the hop. I mean, nobody could have foreseen a pandemic, a global pandemic on the scale that we're living through right now. But I think that there are certain scenarios where you could have expected either a whole main, mainstream, whole stream shift to homeworking and, and organisations seem to have been completely caught on the hop of that. And I think practitioners are really well placed to actually work with management teams on that and say, actually... Um, let's revisit that, but also what do we need to be focusing on right now, starting with employee and stakeholder safety and well-being, through to cash flow and liquidity, through to what's what the greater risks are of global downturn, to the health of supply chain and so on. Um, and I think that's really, really important, a discussion that we really ought to be in, because, you know, technology, safety, remote working, communication is at the heart of all that, right? Well, I hope, I hope personally we're going to see a great shift in an acceleration in professionalism within our profession, because if we are going to be align ourselves and report in, be members of execcom teams, you know, we need to, to have the right skill sets. We need to have the right skill sets. We need to hold ourselves accountable as well. And I'm sorry, Boron, about this, but we need to hold ourselves accountable to the same standards as other people around that boardroom. That includes lawyers, it includes accountants who, you know, take CPD qualifications in incredibly seriously and we need to do that too well, you actually sounded quite passionate about that related to this uh we're coming out of lockdown slowly we've got this two meter distancing rule schools aren't opening until september but retail environments are next week yeah and i think the other thing we need to think about as practitioners is how we help um, I was this, trying to move the conversation on. No, but it's really important because you know, you know there is, these are areas where PR practitioners can get work, secure work, and, and assert PR as a, a management function right now. So we need to be part of these conversations. We need to be looking at how businesses can reimagine and innovate. So how will the shape of the workforce and working environment change? You know, how have other countries and markets responded? We, we're the people that can gather that data and and you know apply it accordingly. You know, we need to be part of the discussions about how the business strategy needs to adapt, change, or diversify. What's our role within that? We need to be thinking about that so we can respond to management needs accordingly. So I think that's you know really important thing. Passion. We should call this podcast the passionate podcast. Mm, maybe that's, not. That's, that's horrible. Tile. That's tile for today. That's tile horrible. For today. I was trying to move on to communication around COVID-19 at this particular moment in time and the focus on health and safety issues. We've still got this two metre distancing rule. Uh, well, we have right now, but come the publication date of this podcast, possibly not. Because at any time now, the government is likely to change it to one and a half to one metres. Well, let's see. They're holding absolutely firm at the moment. Retail environments can open, but schools can't. I find that challenging. <laughs> I think anybody who's homeschooling finds that challenging. But equally, it's a very difficult thing, isn't it? In terms of how I feel, I do feel for schools in terms of how they're having to manage and, and bring um, pupils back in. And if you actually look at the guidance that they're showing for the years like nursery year one and year six, which are in there, it's it must be an incredibly difficult Tough. situation for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. The British public, though, seems to have responded and be making its own decisions about this. Yeah, I think we were spotting face masks around and about in supermarkets long before they were enforced on public transport, right? Yeah, I think we're in a really interesting situation in that you know there's been accusations of um, when governments have have tried to implement different measures uh, being called nanny state. What I think is really fascinating about this is that uh, the public have almost left the led the government in terms of behaviours and what's needed. So we went into lockdown earlier. Um, we have uh, we have adhered to very strict well, people measures. People decided to go into lockdown of their yeah, own they, volition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did, yeah, yeah. and they're still kind of 
adhering to the original rules, even though lockdown has been loosened. So yes, you've got people who have to go back to the workplace and um, because they're obliged to, but a lot of people are still being very careful, sticking to their households, sticking to the two meter rule when they're out and they're, they're using face masks, even though right now the guidance is that you only need them on public transport, mm. uh, I believe. Uh, I don't think it's actually that you have to wear them out and about, but again, the um it's the general public of deciding that they've read elsewhere they've seen other countries they'll they'll do what they believe is right yeah it's interesting isn't it it'll be interesting in hindsight um because we we're not going to see it until this is well over and has played itself out it's, um how behavior changed according to the messaging that was that was used um but we're, we're in the middle of that now and it's very difficult to identify yeah i, I find it you know i've jumped off twitter quite a bit over the last over lockdown because the, this these the instant reaction and need for discussion around you know very high ch- charged topics it's just relentless. You've got to, well, the thing you've is got it, to switch off. Social media is not a good place for anything that's nuanced or complex because no. people will take a soundbite or a headline and, and run yeah. with it. And then it, they, the, the keyboard warriors tend to stick with that and they, they want one final position. And actually, there's a whole spectrum in between whether something yeah. is good or bad, right or wrong. Yeah. Let's move on. Where to next? Why don't you share your news? Oh, so yeah. So I'm launching a new professional advisory firm called What's Inc. It's original, isn't it? Congratulations. Yeah. So I've quite enjoyed lockdown, actually, in that... Um, oh, I'm glad that makes one of us. <laughs> well, I, I quite enjoy... I, I have enjoyed the conversations that it's enabled me to have with people right the way across the world, uh, just completely eliminated barriers. People have got time. You can have conversations. It's, it's, it's really good. There's also some massive, massive issues coming out of COVID-19. And I think this is the moment in time to launch something, create something new to help build better, better businesses for the future, better organisations for the future. So, yeah, setting out my store, go and check out my website, Wadzink Professional Advisory Services, helping anyone that wants to build a better business coming out of COVID-19. Well, there we go. Yeah. Big shift for you. And you're no longer necessarily going to build a traditional agency structure. Uh, you did I, say that one know, of the things you liked out of home working was actually not necessarily always having to travel. Yeah, so so I've spent the last 10 years going backwards and forwards from Newcastle to London and various other places uh, when I was working in Ketchum, travelling around the US. And, you know, it is quite nice to stand still and be rooted in a single place for a period of time. Although that's all time to <laughs> a few, wear. A few days a week away, it's, it's not so bad. to wear a little bit thin now. <laughs> but, um, you know, to, to, step off, to step off that, sort of relentless back and forth to, to London. That is not to say, and I, you know, I can't imagine that I, I you know, I will stop travelling. But the yeah. remote working thing's good. Basically, yeah, it was the point I was trying to make. Right. I think everybody can remote work as whether you want to. You yeah, know, I keep seeing all these big things about, um, is it time that the office, the office's time finish? I really, really disagree with that. I would say the majority of Got people are not suited to home working. You have to be yeah. particular you have to have a particular traits. You have to be incredibly motivated. And actually, you have to want to be able to work on your own or in different spaces yeah. um, accordingly, where a lot of people actually need human interaction. And that's where you learn. Yeah. So I've written a manifesto. You can go and find that on my website. Hopefully, it will be um, it'll be indexed on Google before too long. Setting out my soul. Um, you say there about building another agency. I, You know, I'm, I'm setting out at the moment as as a sole trader although you know set up a limited company but you know let's see where this goes i mean i've been having some brilliant conversations with people around this focus on 
the triple bottom line in the ESG agenda, you know, around some of the big structural issues, the big, big challenges that organizations are going to face coming out of this from a technology or from a workflow, from a, a very human intrinsic level. So, you know, nothing's off the cart at the moment. The other thing I'm, you know, thinking about is being kicked by Professor Anne Gregory to, to think again about doing a PhD. So maybe I'll do that as well. Oh, that's exciting. But also tease. So it sounds like there's, there's more to this than meets the eye. Well, I'm Watch just, this space, no, I'm just I think so that is. about it. You know, I've written a business plan, but it's a page. And, you know, there's more questions on it than there are answers. So let's see. So where are we going next? We've got to wrap this podcast up. Uh, what's happening next week? What's happening next week? Events. Events. There's always the ever-fantastic PR Fest from our friend Laura Sutherland's. That's coming That's, soon. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday next week. Yeah. yeah. This week, by the time this gets published. Yeah, excellent. It's well worth dialing in for. And um, I would just keep looking out at the CIPR and PRCA webpages because they've been doing some fantastic webinars and conferences recently. Um, same with Provoke Media. Yeah, I mean, the PR industry has responded in a great way to, to this crisis, both at a professional organisational level, but at a very uh, human level uh, as well. You've got your future-proof community, and you, know, you continue to publish brilliant thought pieces uh, and analysis through that, tackling some of the trickiest issues, you know, as you cited right at the start of this programme. You know, it's it's just a, a brilliant time for, for, for discussion, and it's great to see the industry stepping up. Well, that's me done. That's a nice place to finish. Thank you very much. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future Proof Podcast with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Mrs. Underscore Wads and Stephen at Wads. For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk. Until next time, see you on the internet.